Um, in this discussion, we're going to be talking about getting your illustrations published. I'm Rachel Hill, the CEO at the Association of Illustrators, but I can also see lots of people in the same seats all afternoon, so you may have seen me earlier. <laughs> um, just for these guys as well, can I get another sort of hand raise for how many illustrators we still have in the room? Brilliant, that's what I love to see. So hopefully this is going to be a really kind of proactive and engaging session for you guys because it's such a fantastic perspective to have these three brilliant panellists that have a particular insight into how illustrators can kickstart their career in the publishing industry from the perspective of working really in the heart of the publishing industry and directly commissioning illustrators themselves. So we're going to be discussing a range of topics and hopefully we'll have some time at the end for discussion and, and questions from you guys as well. But we're going to uh, be covering where designers and art directors are currently looking for new illustrators, what you guys can do to really catch their eye, and what publishing houses are doing to nurture the emerging talent that they're working with. We're also going to get into some details about contracts, industry trends, and some very practical steps that you can take yourself towards getting your work published. So I know I'm doing these polls all day today. Just for these guys, how many of you guys have aspiring illustrators but haven't yet seen your work in print? Oh, just a few, and, and quite, uh, quite a few of you published already. A little mix, fantastic. So, what we're going to be talking about quite a lot today is how you can make your first steps into the industry and what you can do to make your portfolio really enticing to a, a publishing-based commissioner. Now, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my wonderful panel today. Uh, starting with Donna Payne at the end. Donna is the um, creative director of Favour and Favour. She's art-directed many leading illustrators and photographers, and she's a true master of award-winning book design. So very pleased to have you here today, Donna. In the middle, we've got Juliet Rechtan, who is a very talented designer at Bloomsbury, working on picture books and integrated fiction lists. Juliet's worked with both acclaimed artists like uh, Nick Sharrett and Claire Powell, as well as up-and-coming illustrators. And then finally, we've got the wonderful Katie Gesson here as well, who again, very talented children's non-fiction design manager, also at Bloomsbury. Um, and off the back of that last panel discussion as well, I think it'd be really interesting to get your perspective and expertise in this really fast-growing area of illustrated books. All right, well, that's more than enough of me talking. I'm going to hand over to you guys to introduce yourselves as well. So if I could just go down the line and ask, starting with you, Donna, can you tell us a bit about what your role is at Favour, what type of books you work on, and how you work with illustrators? Yes, hi. Hello. Um, so um, I work on mostly book covers, um, but as part of my team, we also have a really brilliant uh, children's art director, Emma Eldridge. And at Favour, we work across a really wide variety of genres, sort of including sort of fiction, non-fiction, graphic novels, the arts, poetry, a little bit of everything. And um, I'm always, I suppose with illustration, I'm always just looking for new talent and also to kind of just, you know, nurture relationships with illustrators, both established and new. And um, we also quite like to sort of connect to colleges as much as possible, just to kind of 
find kind of new, all those new faces and also have some input into kind of really what, what publishing is doing now. So it's been really a good part of my role to kind of stay sort of engaged with uh, sort of education. Brilliant. And how about you, Juliette? Tell us a bit about your role. Um, I'm a designer for picture books and illustrated fiction, as Rachel said. So it's working on covers, but also interiors. Uh, and I work with illustrators every day. I mean, basically, you know, briefing, feeding back, working with them to create really great books, hopefully. Yeah. That's awesome. yeah. Katie? Yep, so I, I've just seen a design for the entire children's fiction series, which spans a whole range of um, formats, subject matter and age groups from, from preschool up to YA 15 audiences. Um, work, our, our entire list is illustrators, so um, work with an amazing range of illustrators, um, from brand new talent through to classic names like Kate Pankhurst, um, fantastic Women women's series, which is a real privilege to work on. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a dream, it's a dream life. Fantastic. And when you guys are kind of in the market for a new illustrator to work with, where do you go to? Where do you go to look to find new talent? So, really broadly, actually, I think it's quite personal because I've been trying to um, survey some of the people in the team. And certainly, it is a real team thing when we have a new, uh, particularly in non fiction, we tend to have text that we then find suitable illustrators to pair with more often than not. So it's a real team effort and it will be across the wider um, design team and then also our commissioning editors will be looking in all our favourite places. I, if social media for me, also our agents that we work with, other prints and material, degree shows, um, we just try and keep a really broad outlook really. What are the social media platforms that are, are particularly useful to you as a commissioner? For me, Instagram, I guess, I'm kind of using it like everything lots of people do, so it's kind of a good way to sort of passively kind of check what people are doing. Um, so a lot of people use it as a kind of sketchbook, which is really interesting to see how things work, developing what they are already working on, particular projects, um, what their interests are. So I find that particularly useful, and then to kind of follow up with someone's website. your take, Juliet? Do you look in any other sort of nooks and crannies? Um, to be completely honest, I'm going to primarily look at agent websites. There are a lot, so that's, you know, it's a good place to start generally. And like Katie says, I like to then check out Instagram because you're going to have more um, recent work. So it's cool to kind of see what they've given their agents, but also what they're working at, like on a daily basis. Um, and again, you know, a website's always really helpful. Just going more into, into depth into the people's like portfolios and yeah. Trying to expand the research a little bit. But yeah, it's easy when it's all in one place. It's yeah. an interesting sort of honest perspective as well that you're kind of um, gravitating towards those agency websites. Would it um, deter you from working with an illustrator if you found them online and they weren't represented? Um not not necessarily, actually. I think if, if the work's there and if we believe in someone, it's just it's harder to find them, you know, if they're not agented. That's, from my point of view, that's just the case. But no, it wouldn't deter me. I would say all this time on the non-fiction side's probably about half and half. So, yeah. That's great, yeah. 
I see them split. <laughs> and what is something, if I send this one to you, Donna, uh, that an illustrator can add to their online portfolio to really sort of capture your attention, particularly if they haven't worked in publishing before, but that's something they want to get into, what could demonstrate to you that they're ready? I think kind of um, making it really, really clear, you know, there's lots of things, but I think making it really, really clear which are the commissioned projects and which is kind of self-initiated work is good. It just kind of gives you a platform for a really good sort of dialogue around it. Um, I think lots of good concepts, um, evidence of problem solving, that's kind of so much of it is. Um, and I think kind of being able to sort of come away from that folio, knowing that that illustrator has got a really clean and clear idea of sort of who they are, what I'm going to get. I think if you, if you see kind of too many styles in a portfolio, it can be a little bit sort of confusing and you have to be really specific about what it is that you want. Um, for me, it, which is it's sort of a little bit of a test and sort of uh, advice I give to lots of illustrators is that I want to kind of come away from that uh, website, look at that portfolio, I'm going to sort of describe the illustrator in sort of five to ten words. So that might be, you know, beautiful New York landscapes in pen and ink or something. You know, just something kind of quite sticky that will stay in my mind. And I think when you're putting your sort of online portfolio together, it's really, really important to lead with a piece like that. Something memorable and something that people will sort of talk about and sort of remember before. Even if it's not all that you do. Um, it's always good to meet with that, I think. That's a great test, I love that idea. <laughs> and from your perspective, Juliet, working in, in picture books, yeah. what are some key features that you're wanting to see uh, to demonstrate an illustrator's ready to work on a really fully-fledged narrative? Well, I think just more in, into detail, small things that you can do is draw what you like drawing and what you want to be published for. If you love drawing bears, then show that to us in our portfolio because we're going to often look for an illustrator with themes. So if we're going to work um, on a book about a bear that goes on fantastical adventures, we're going to look, okay, good bears, can they do fantasy? And that's how we're going to, you know, with keywords like that, so if you like doing children, show that to us. If you like conveying emotion, show that to us. Um, and really try to find something that's going to make you unique because it can be a bit of a turn off to think that you look too much like someone that's famous. Um, even if it's good to be aware, it's also good to like separate yourself from the more um, successful illustrators sometimes. Um, and again, more details, but having sort of characters that are grounded in a scene can be really helpful, because if you just have one-off illustrations, it's going to be harder to picture that in a real book. Whereas if you've kind of done character development, you know, and you have them in a bedroom or outside, or different things that's going to help us, you know, give it, have a bigger image. Yeah, there's the books to go on there. <laughs> okay, that's a very practical advice to you. Yeah. <laughs> on a sort of a slightly different note now, I'm really interested to hear a bit more about what your guys' publishing houses are doing to connect with a more diverse range of illustrators than maybe those that are sort of the most obvious to find and any sort of initiatives you have for nurturing that emerging talent. And could I send that one your way? Yeah, so um, we are about to engage in the Pathways programme, which I won't have to go into loads of detail because I haven't had the chance to take part in it myself, but I think that helps um, illustrators who've maybe not had the chance to go through the more conventional degree programmes um, to find a way into publishing and have direct contact with 
our art directors and designers that can help build the portfolios and find ways of becoming published. So that's certainly one way. And then I think just as a team generally, we just feel really passionate about really broadening our base of where we look and what we and what we think about looking for illustrators that maybe maybe potentially have uh, lived experience that they can bring um, bring to their work that will enrich the books that we're making, particularly on non-fiction. Um, so I think we just we're just looking really <laughs> but just I think Earlier in my career, I think we would have gone more directly straight to our agencies, and there are definitely many instances. Now, I think there's much more drive to be thinking more closely about who we attach to a project, what are they going to bring to work, what, what does that person's experience have to, to, to really authenticate what we're making as a purpose. So, I think it's an ongoing, it's certainly an ongoing thing, but it's something that we're all really passionate about in the design and creative team as a whole. So. That's positive that it's becoming more present in people's minds that this is something we absolutely yeah. actively working towards as well. It's not yeah. just going to happen on its own. Uh, yeah, so. I would say it's, it's really in the forefront when we're thinking about commissioning certain projects. And Donna, I know that um, Favour and Favour have the Fab Prize. Do you want to tell yeah. us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I love the Fab Prize. <laughs> um, so um, the Fab Prize is our prize for. Um, undiscovered writers and illustrators from underrepresented backgrounds. And we're in our sixth year now, which is unbelievable. It just keeps growing and growing and getting bigger and bigger and better. And um, it, it's open now. Uh, the closing date is the 17th of June. And we have, so far, we have more than 50 alumni who have got agents and the list of published illustrators and writers just kind of keeps growing and growing. It's, it's just been such a, a fantastic and proven um, sort of route to success. Um, it's a fantastic website um, for anyone who's kind of interested in sort of knowing a bit more. And, um, and on the illustration side, we've partnered with the AOI, which is fantastic. Um, first prize is uh, £1,500, plus one year's membership with the AOI, which is brilliant. Uh, an opportunity to shadow established illustrators on school visits. And, but we also have, the, there isn't just kind of, and I think this is the thing I really, really love about it, we don't just give one prize, we have lots of commended and highly commended places. And all of those commended entrants uh, get a place on a sort of five-part programme, which is Insights into Publishing, which is again just really, really useful for just giving us information. Um, about kind of how, you know, how publishing works. Um, but other than that, in favour, we kind of, as a sort of design team, we, we just, we're just talking about it more. You know, as publishers, we're talking about it more, which is fantastic. So I've been in the business for 25 years. We didn't used to really talk about it at all, so you know, that's a lovely change uh, and, a, and a kind of long-coming change that's happened over the past couple of years. Um, but I think we're just kind of, it's starting to feel more natural to just kind of, um, to broaden the search much more and to kind of just think differently about kind of how we match sort of illustrators and authors and we just stop making assumptions and we're just all working harder. Because um, so I do think that publishing as an industry is really keen and ready for change now. 
and so it feels really, really good to be sort of part of some really positive collective, collective thinking about it. Brilliant, yeah, thank yeah. you, Donna. I really recommend it. If the Fab Prize has sparked anyone's interest, to check it out. Brilliant initiative. Um, now, I know some of you guys in the audience today, you may be in the process of perhaps developing your own picture book ideas, perhaps even after the last talk, your own uh, non-fiction book ideas as well. Um, in your view, if I, if I start with you, Juliet, how fully formed do you think a pitch needs to be before it's sort of seen by either a literary agent or a publisher? And if you could give a little bit of insight into how that might eventually make it onto a desk at Bloomsbury. I think generally it can be a bit encouraging if the, you know, the book is not finished and there's maybe roughs and space for change and building and going the thing with the editor because it can be a bit um, scary if you think that the illustrator or author illustrator isn't going to be keen to change anything then, you know, if there's a problem that means we can't really take it on. So just maybe letting it be known that they're open to a discussion is always really helpful. Um, and you know, maybe if you have a few finished pieces along with roughs and maybe some storyboard, that's that's really helpful. That'll give us like a good overview of what the project can become. Um, and yet generally about how they get to us, for me it's been through agents again. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not very... No, it's, um, it's, it's been through agents uh, mostly, but we do receive emails also from people who kind of just like do um, unsolicited sub uh, submissions and I'll always do my best to answer everything. Um, might be a couple of days, but I'll do it. I'll answer everything, uh, and that's also a way to reach out. You know, if you get our emails. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. And, and does that process differ for you, Katie? I know from what you mentioned earlier, perhaps it might be more typically a case of pairing an illustrator with an author when it comes to pitches for nonfiction. Generally, yes. Although we have had instances where. Um, we've seen actually, on, the, on our list we have a lot of narrative non-fiction, so it's kind of a mix between pitch book format and non-fiction. So we are actually looking at pitch book illustrators as well, but that potentially we can put a non-fiction twist on it. We've done a lovely book with uh, Laura Chamberlain, Lighthouse Story, which was actually developed from her MA uh, picture book idea. Um, about uh, a sort of protagonist who lived in a lighthouse. Completely different story, but it really sparked, sparked an idea for us about having a non-fiction book with a narrative element. So, uh, but generally going back to your question, it's less important for non-fiction. I think we more want to see what you can reiterate more from what Juliet said about what you're passionate about, because that's the thing I'm going to hone in on. If I've got a brief in front of them and I'm looking for a book about tigers, I'm going to struggle to convince the rest of my team that this is the right illustrator if I haven't got a tiger, potentially. That's not to say that we couldn't, if we were really in love with someone's style and their work, that we could do something with them. But, um, yeah, for non-fiction, non we we're, we're looking for certain things that make us think that that's right, that this could be a really great pairing with that text. Um, so we're looking for more finished pieces. But, is, like I said, it, on the non-fiction side, we're sort of out so much and there's so much crossover now that um, we're looking all over, all over for all things, yeah, all these sparking ideas. So. I think on this sort of topic of, of preparing a, a book idea or a pitch and mm. applying to both of you, what are your thoughts on when an author and an illustrator kind of get together and then bring the pitch to you? Do you 
Uh, does that interest you, or do you prefer to do the matching in-house? <laughs> I don't think we have this. We have authors who sometimes, with their pitch, tell us we like this. Like I like this illustrator, and we'll definitely take that into account. It's it's obviously a plus if you know that the author is happy with an illustrator. Some authors even have like need to agree, you know, formally. So um, it's always going to be a plus, definitely. Um, but generally, there is going to be also some research on our end. other people behind the scenes that are involved in yeah. what that book becomes and what that pairing is, where that book's going to sit and, and so many other things that come into consideration. So um, definitely definitely a case by case basis. I don't think we would say no, but yeah, yeah. we'd yeah, assess it on it. Okay, thank you for the perspective. Now getting into you guys here at my talk earlier, I'm sorry, I won't stop banging on about the publishing contract. <laughs> for some illustrators, particularly picture book contracts can be really long, we're looking at kind of 20 pages sometimes, uh, and they can feel a bit intimidating. From your guys' perspective, what are some red flags that an illustrator should be looking out for in a publishing contract, um, to kind of ensure that they're going into a fair agreement? What's something that you would highlight to the crowd today? If I could perhaps start with you, Donna. Um, so, um I'll just kind of speak from the perspective of uh, uh, just covers, really, where it's kind of a single piece of illustration. I think the contracts do tend to be less complex there. They tend to be yeah, <laughs> in two sides of the four um, So, you know, so it's not so complex in terms of rights. Um, we're very upfront about the use of, say, the paperback, sort of 50%. Um, so really my kind of advice around this would be, not so much in, in terms of red flags, but if an illustrator kind of has any doubt or doesn't understand something in a contract, they should just always, in the first instance, instance um, ask the art director or the designer that they're working with, because by and large, publishers are never trying to uh, catch illustrators out, and they understand that, especially with an agent of illustrators. There's kind of lots of legalese in there, which is kind of hard to fathom. And if we can't help, then we'll send them over to you, send them over to the AOI um, for a bit more advice there. Uh, and occasionally we can refer them to our contracts team, but that happens kind of less often. So I'd say just always ask and sort of you know, ask for an explanation in familiar terms. That's brilliant to hear, it was straight from you as well, Donna, that there would be no judgment on your part if someone wants to come not. back and ask more questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Do you have um, any different takes on that at all, Julia? Um, actually, on the picture book side, not necessarily, because it, if it's more royalties, um, editors will more be like in charge of that, but I do work with contracts for um, illustrated fiction. Yeah. Um, and actually, just to add on from what Donna was saying, it's what we chatted about last time, but there is one thing that I would um, I would say is that if you're being asked for samples, um, it's possible that sometimes you're going to get you know someone contacting you and they're not really going to offer a fee, and you should just really not be afraid to ask for a fee because they might have conveniently sort of like not talked about that. Um, so yeah, I mean typically if you are going to work on you know a character sheet, a full color scene, there might be one round of feedback. I mean we would. We would offer maybe 200 pounds. Um, it's okay to ask. 
no one's gonna, they're not gonna like take back their decision of asking you to sample it, but ask for a fee. So I would definitely say go for that. Yeah, make sure you get paid. That's interesting. So now if it, even if it's not mentioned, there might be a secret pocket of money back there that we should all be sort of like asking for and trying to tap into. I think it's part of that as well, kind of the being some clarity around sort of rough stages and reject fees too. So for any reason, anyone needs to pull out or change their mind or, or sometimes the illustrator's um, circumstances change. It's good to know that if there is a part of the ways in the process and of what will be payable at, at different stages, I think. Absolutely, I think that's a really important journey to, to lay out because often these relationships can be really long and you yeah. don't know what's going to happen. So I think that's a brilliant point, Donna. Now we're coming sort of towards Towards the end of, of my questions here, so before I open the floor, um, and on a kind of broader sense, I was wondering if I could start with you, Katie. Are there any current trends that you're seeing within the illustration industry that you flag this year? Gosh, I was in all those yesterday. Actually, <laughs> I'm just trying to think about this question um, specifically from my point of view and our non-fiction industry. I think it's never been a more exciting time. I, mean, I don't think in the 15 years that I've worked in non-fiction we've ever had a point where we would consider so many... I don't think there's a style that we probably wouldn't consider for our list, and we do have quite a broad list where so we, we work across lots of different formats, black and white books as well, and so as kind of full colour across all different subjects. So I am possibly less interested in specific illustration style trends because it, it's such a case-by-case -case basis. I think we are really focused on what will stand out because it's such an uh, incredibly high standard. The bar is so high, particularly in fiction, I think. Um, so, I know that's going to skip around your question a little bit, but um, not, I'm not so worried about particular trends. In terms of subject trends, um, books around issues and helping children understand their world, um, empathy, environmentalism, those are the things that are really key for us on our list at the moment. And so that might trigger some ideas about what you might want to, what's important to you and what you might want to include in your portfolio. Um, but from an actual illustration style point of view, I think almost anything goes. Real women. <laughs> um, so that's actually really, really nice to see as well. 
fantastic, thank you. Any thoughts for the one that you know? um, Yeah, we were talking about this with an agent, actually, an uh, agent meeting the other day, and I think just the trends that we're seeing just in a larger sense are that in commissioning, we definitely look for diversity now. That almost goes without saying. It's something we're going to really look for in every single story. And, um, and I think with COVID and stuff, a lot of hopefulness, happiness, just messages that can, you know, make children feel a bit more lighthearted in these uh, times, it can be a bit, a bit hard on them. So yeah, those are trends that we have in commissioning. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. Now, one kind of note, kind of a final question for a takeaway for the fair. I was wondering, do you guys have any tips for how illustrators here today could make the most of the fair um, and, you know, really kind of either inspire them with some research or get in contact with different uh, people that could potentially commission them? Do you guys have any thoughts on active steps they could take today or tomorrow to make the most out of the event? I think um, uh, just kind of uh, looking for publishers that, that kind of fit with what you do is really important and uh, although there aren't always art directors on stands, you can always go and ask for a name or a contact, that, that's always a good idea as well. Just absorb all the beautiful work that's around, that's really nice. Fantastic. Um, any, anything else to add in terms of making the most of it? I mean, these talks have been so insightful as well. Um, but yeah, as Donald was saying, think about think about where you would love to see your work and, and who's doing that and, um, and, and just absorb generally what's going on in the industry because this is where we, you know, we come to show our art, new ideas and get excited about stuff. So it's sort of a preview of where everything's happening. So, Fantastic, thank you very much. And I agree, the, the talks I've, I've been watching here today as well, the kind of energy of, of this group has been fantastic. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for letting me ask all the questions that I have and um, for offering some really kind of practical steps forward for the illustrators here today as well. We have a bit of time left as well. We've got about 10, 15 minutes if anybody would like to ask these three ladies any questions about how they could access the industry themselves or anything else that you've got on your mind. Um, give me a raise of hand if you've got anything that you'd like to ask Kate, Juliet or Donna. If, if as a writer you write a children's book, can you, can you pitch the book without any illustrations and then in the hope that you guys will come up with, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Thank you. Have we got any more questions, Joel? We've got one down the front here as well. Oh, sorry. Hello. Um, could you share with us how you like to receive submissions, anything, um, and whether you like a few JPEGs or a PDF, etc. How you like to see images or just a website link? Um, just make it as easy as possible to access. I think um, as an art director you can get sort of sometimes 5, sometimes 15 sort of samples landing in your inbox every day. Um, and if I have to download something, sometimes I've just started doing something else and I haven't gone back to it. 
from being brutally honest. So kind of a PDF that's not too big. I just click on, scroll through, that's really clearly set out. And then uh, a link to a website or Instagram, um, that's perfect. Or, or even just a really polite email with a link. Just, just keep it clean and easy. Would you guys be in agreement with that? Just your best pieces, a few of your best pieces of work that really represent you on a, on a PDF that's so interesting to read and, and see straight away what, what, what you're passionate about, what your work is. Do you guys have kind of public email addresses where people can, can send in submissions or does it typically come through perhaps an agency route? I don't believe so for things. Um, I'm not sure to be honest, I received no. some emails and I'm not sure how they got my email. How would they want to do? Draft date illustrators have very good investigation skills, no. which I approve of. <laughs> I think we have a question down the front here as well. Thank you for very useful talks, it's very, very interesting. And uh, it's, it's for me, it's, uh, you said that, that, that I talk to the publisher, you know, but this first initiative, like, uh, how can I access to, to upload to you to show this is my work. So I, I like, for example, I, today I got a lot of my things that I can, I can show you, but because I have no past, no, I did the illustration as just a few posters and all postcards and that kind of thing, but not picture of yet. So, so how, so just, just going to say hello, this is my work. Is that work or is that how, is that all it is? I should look for some like a project, so you're looking for some illustrator or how that's the best way to approach you. So do you prefer receiving a kind of a, a project idea or sometimes is it okay just to say look this is my work do you have anything that might be a good fit but yeah yeah, yeah. I think I think certainly for, for me it's more about more at work than a, than a particular project idea so, so we, we are comparing projects that come in from authors to try and find a great illustration fit so in definitely and definitely more focused on the work for me even if we like, don't have something at the time we can share that with the rest of the team. They might have something might be more suitable for, um, say, our education department. I can forward it to Juliet in picture books or into our fiction. So um, even if I haven't got something, I can keep it on file and then come back to it. So uh, that's what I, I would say. I would say we do mostly, yeah. uh, we do mostly pairing as well. So it's completely fine if you just show us your portfolio and if you just show us you know, characters that you really like and that you've developed. Sometimes you might even see illustrations that we think there's something there and we're actually going to find an author for an illustration. That happens as well. So it's perfectly fine not to have a pitch or an idea and just, you know, developing stuff that you like. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm an illustrator from abroad. I'm not from the UK and I often worry. Hi. <laughs> I often worry that um, I might not have a good possibility to work with publishers just because I'm not local. Um, are publishers, publishers open to working with people from other countries as well? Yes, very much so. Absolutely. I'm currently working with an artist who was 
between Mumbai and New York <laughs> over the last two years. She's, she's um, yeah, been back and forth between different places. So uh, absolutely, it's, it's international. Getting that international perspective is also is, is fantastic. So, yeah. These days, do you find that you guys are having many or, or any face-to-face -face meetings with your artists, or is it all pretty much email? Yeah, I mean, we do video calls sometimes at the beginning of a project so that the author, illustrator, editor, designer can sit together, but we're generally not really seeing each other face-to-face -face at the moment. Yeah. And I think that's been one of the positive things that come out the past couple of years. We've all got much more comfortable on Zoom and time zones, and I think there's never been an easier time to kind of commission more globally, uh, and it's seen as a very positive thing across the industry. So, yeah, yeah, fantastic. I think we had a question near the front here as well. Thank you. Hi, love your talk, so on topic, thank you. Um, Instagram, um, you put a lot of emphasis on Instagram. How important to the success of uh, an illustrator is having an Instagram account? Do you have to have one? Or can you go where you find that one, but by an awful lot of good work via PDF and um, website? Great question. What, what would you guys think if you found an illustrator with a great website but perhaps not a social media presence to link through to? It's completely fine. For yeah. I would say have either or though, for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's completely fine if you have a full website. I think probably a website is a great place for your work to live. Um, Instagram and other social media is just good for discoverability, I suppose. So um, you don't have to, but you, it's definitely an advantage, and more people will find you that way. And you kind of just the nature of it means that um, you'll be discovered along with other illustrators, I suppose. Few questions. <laughs> Hi, um, I'm just going to be super straightforward. Can we have your contact details? It's quite a large crowd to give out contact details. I'm afraid I'm going to answer that one for you guys if you don't mind. I, I don't think so, sorry. <laughs> sure, very easy to find. <laughs> I'm Rachel at the AOI if anybody wants to reach me. <laughs> Got any other questions? Yeah, um, I'm not an illustrator, but my sister is really passionate about getting into it, and she's looked into things like illustration masters and you know different kinds of degrees, and uh, some of them are a pretty packet. I suppose. Do you look for that? You know, would you? I feel we covered the question of would you cover um, consider someone who is an agented, but. Do you look for illustration degrees, art degrees, things like that? That's sort of a real prerequisite, or do the portfolios so speak for itself? Um, yeah, we definitely, the is definitely a place where, as, as I say at the beginning, like one of the places that we would look um, for sort of emerging talent. But I certainly wouldn't say that that's, uh, not having a degree or an MA is a barrier to um, us commissioning. Seeing the work, it's really, really just dependent on the right illustrators, the right projects. 
good place to look, like Katie said, but you know, with this whole diversity in the commissioning thing, it's definitely not going to stop us if someone doesn't have uh, a degree. Yeah. I have to agree with that. I think, um, also I think lots of illustrators, when they first start out, have got other jobs, and it's kind of something they, they're kind of developing around that role. So they just simply, well, you know, they come to it later in life, so they simply can't just then go back to university and get a, 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 a creative degree. So um, it's absolutely no barrier as long as you have the sort of work to show, some evidence of what you can do. Um, yeah. I think we probably have time for maybe one or two more questions. I don't know. Yeah, over time, so thank you so much for sharing your insight and expertise.